Good morning. Our guest this morning is Anand Kulkarni, and he's really a special guy, president and co-founder of Lead Genius, backed by Y Combinator, 500, Andreessen, and Sierra Ventures. Lead Genius has raised over $8 million to pursue a combination of sales automation technology and anti-poverty social work. In a previous life, Anand was a mathematician, NSF fellow, and PhD candidate at Berkeley, where he taught entrepreneurship to undergraduates. Anand, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Let's do this. All right, let's do this. So first things first, right before Lead Genius, were you teaching full-time? I was and I was not. I was a researcher at Berkeley. In my spare time, I would teach classes as graduate students often do. I was drawn to entrepreneurship because that's where a lot of the fun was in teaching. Got it. So walk us through what Lead Genius does and how you make money. Sure thing. So Lead Genius is AI for sales. We think of it as top of the funnel automation. Companies come to us when they're looking to map out new leads in their market, people who are going to buy from them in the future. We automate the process of figuring out all the companies in their space, all the people who are decision makers at those companies, figuring out how to contact those people. And then we automate the email back and forth going from our customers, salespeople to the prospects that they want to speak to at those companies. So can you and yeah. I, can you give a real life example just to really bring it home? A real sure. life customer? Uh, sure. So we've got a company who is right now using Lead Genius to map out um, every director of IT um, at a Brazilian uh, telecom company okay. with the interest of selling them IT products and services. Um, so they were interested in companies that were between 100,000 in revenue and about 10 million in revenue. So there's a finite number of those companies. That information is always changing. We use a combination of crowdsourcing and crawling to go out and find this information from a combination of public databases, company websites, as well as uh, social networks, uh, personal profiles, and so on. So the end result was uh, a set of companies that they wanted to sell to and an effective way for them to reach out and talk to them. Okay. And what do they pay you for this? So we generally charge between um, 2000 a month all the way up to our biggest customers who give us up to a million a month. It really depends on how hard, how hard it is to find those leads in particular. Okay, so give us a sense of, first off, what year did you start the business? This was 2011. 2011, you started it. And um, give us a sense of size. So in 2015, what was total revenue? Uh, 2015, we got up to just about $8 million a year. Okay, $8 million a year. And, and you look at this as a SaaS business, right? We treated it fully as a SaaS business. That's right. Okay, so it's fair to say you were doing about 650k in in December, which forward-looking run rate is eight million. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay, very cool. Um, all right, and so let's just let's first talk about unit economics, and then I want to flip back to the business. So, on the unit economic side, how many current customers are you working with? And let's just use February 2016 as the month to take data from. Sure, we serve enterprise customers, um, and in that segment, we're looking at about 200 customers and some change. Okay, and average revenue per user is approximately what? Um, right now, it's close to $40,000 per user. And that's annually or monthly? That's annually. Okay, $40,000 um, annually. And then do you, I imagine you have a, a lot of this data because you've been around a while, but in terms of a customer acquisition cost and churn and lifetime value, what do those look like and how do you think of them? Okay, good. So we have some of that data um, on hand. So yeah, it's tough, huh? Yeah, well, we've, we've tracked it a lot. Um, we think about things in terms of lifetime value to CAC ratio because that's really the, the numbers that are interesting for us. So right now we're averaging customer durations. We model it with about a two and a half year span. Um, and we enjoy a pretty good CAC to LTV ratio. LTV to CAC right now is about 10. So um, we are getting 
a pretty good uh, return on investment. So just to be clear, people are uh, you're modeling two and a half years in terms of lifetime value in months. So 30 months, the average customer stays with you, paying you on average three uh, forty thousand dollars per year. And so your CAC, to, uh, so your total lifetime value in terms of dollars is what? Um, I don't know that number off the top. Is of my it head. about a hundred grand? That's what the math comes out to. That, that sounds roughly right. Okay. You know, it's it the the tricky part is that we've actually been around for on this product for just about three years. So got it. A lot of these numbers are probably going to go up as we see customers um, stick with us. They're all all extrapolations at this point. (laughs) Yep. So when you say your CAC to LTV ratio, again, lifetime value is approximately 100 grand. Mm -hmm. You're saying you're getting 10 to 1, which means you're spending about 10 grand to acquire a new customer. Is that accurate? Um, I think it's probably a little more than that. If you bundle in full sales and marketing costs fully loaded, I'd say it's closer to 15. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what percentage of your revenue is professional services versus pure SaaS? So we think about everything as as part of the software sale, but a portion of that is attributed to uh, what we would consider the cost of data acquisition. So that doesn't mean professional services per se. Okay. We don't have any, um, say, consulting teams that we send on site. What we do have uh, are a crowd of folks who help us get certain kinds of data that might be tricky to get using automated methods. Um, so good examples might be, gosh, the, the last time somebody um, changed jobs. Um, oh, which is data that you might find uh, on the internet, but wouldn't really be able to crawl. Um, or, for example, information about um, the number of uh, sales positions that are open at a company, which is a predictor of how often companies will buy sales products. Got it. That's information that for our customers, uh, there aren't really a lot of solutions out there that will provide, but which make a big difference in their purchasing uh, strategies. That makes a lot of sense. Um, real quick, flipping back to uh, Anand to unit economics, you said you projected about a 30-year lifetime value in terms of months. Is that fair to say then you're looking at about a 3% monthly churn? That's about a 30-month, uh, not 30-year. Sorry, 30-month. That's what I meant. Brain fart. Yeah, that's, um, uh, that's correct. That's roughly right on the gross level. Um, on a net level, we're posting negative churn every month. Great. And just for the sake of folks listening, because I think obviously the holy grail in SaaS is net negative churn. Can you explain what net negative churn in ter- means in terms of lead genius specifically? Sure. So for us, that means that uh, we are uh, growing the accounts that we have uh, in our customer base by an amount so that our total MRR each month um, our growth in existing accounts offsets any loss that we have through churn. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Congratulations, by the way. That's not easy. It certainly wasn't. It took us a while to get here, but uh, we're certainly in a good place because of it. What's the, typically there's a, there's just a genie, you know, businesses that have net negative churn, they really perfected selling the fries with the hamburger and the fry sales are what are re- replacing any lost customers that month. What is the equivalent uh, to the fries in your business? Yeah, that's a good question. And we actually don't quite think about it that way in all cases. We think about um, the fact that somebody who's buying a hamburger here probably wants a second hamburger and a third hamburger because they like the meal so much. So we end up selling at the top of the funnel, meaning we're selling growth services to our customers. When they buy our products and they succeed, they want to double that up, triple that up because Got they're it. hiring more salespeople as a result of So it's not marginal growth. It's not like one half percent or like a very like a fry relative to a burger. It's literally they're doubling or tripling the initial purchase. That's right. Now we actually do think about adding a fry model at some point in the in the future. We're about to release a new email product to go along with our lead generation and lead enrichment services. Uh-huh. Uh, and that'll be a true fry co-sale, right? Somebody who's buying leads from us will also buy an email automation system, and then we could look at uh, adding in other parts of that stack as well. Yep, that's really smart. Uh, and real quick, I want to make sure I got these numbers right. Uh, the the M- total MRR in February was what? 
Um, let's see. We are probably close to about 700 and change. Yep. That's um, but I want to, I want to double check that number first. Sure. Sure. Yep. Um, while you're doing that too, just confirming location, you guys are based in, in San Francisco. We're actually based just across the bay in Berkeley, California. A little better economics there, huh? Slightly better. We have a pretty, <laughs> pretty big office as a result. Couldn't How many teams? San Francisco. How many team members? So we've got 50 folks locally, just shy of 50 plus a crowd of about 500 people around the world who are helping us with data acquisition. Got it. And that's kind of what you talked about in terms of the upfront cost and getting some of the data. That's right. I mean, we have crawlers and technology that grab data once we know where to get it. But setting up those initial relationships with data sources requires some human effort. Got it. And let's go real quick into uh, into capital raised. Uh, the last round was for how much and what have you raised total? So we've raised total about $8 million. Uh -huh. uh, the last round was $6 million from... Um, uh, of course, all of our existing investors plus Sierra Ventures who led the round. Got it. And, you know, here's a question I always have. Was Sierra in, and what round was that? Series C? That was our Series A. Series A. Okay, great. Believe it or not. Did Sierra get in on the seed round or were they new in the A? They were new in the A. So Sierra doesn't do a lot of seed investing to begin with, but our seed round was, um, we were part of Y Combinator and 500 startups. So uh, we were able to raise um, without going to a lot of conventional institutional VCs. Um, it's yep. only when we needed to get a larger scale partner that we started talking to Sierra. So what, what what month did you raise that 6 million? I want to say this was about 20 months back. It was August months. of 2014. So uh, if I was a betting man, I'd say you're looking at raising somewhere around 10 million on a pretty healthy, maybe 90 million pre-money somewhere in the near future. Well, it's hard to speculate on what the market will <laughs> give us. Um, but, um, you know, at the point that we look like we'll need more capital, we'll go out and and try and raise um, as much money as we think we need is uh, on the terms that I think uh, we can get. In all seriousness, when do you make that decision? I mean, what things are you looking at in the business when you know it's the right time? Okay, great. So um, I think the same answer we'd give here is the same answer we'd give for any entrepreneur, um, which is you should look at the milestones you're trying to achieve for the next part of the market, figure out the capital you need to get there, and decide how, it's gonna, um, how much you'll need to get there. So for us, um, we look at this space in terms of um, what's driving our growth. We dog food our own product, so that's a significant amount of our own spend, as well as hiring salespeople and engineers here on site. Um, and we have a, an internal number for where we want our metrics to, to be before we can successfully go out and, and raise enough to get us to the next level. Is that um, just MRR or is there a specific other set of metrics you're looking at? Well, I think it's it's two. The first is going to be, of course, MRR, um, and that's of course a um, a number that's that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, but I think the more interesting question is whether we think we are going to be able to deploy all of that capital in a way that meaningfully changes our growth curve. Yeah, we've been moving at a pretty fast pace uh, over the past eighteen months, and it's one that I think we can keep up. Um, of course, if we think we can achieve an actual uh, deflection inflection in that hockey stick to go even more steeply up um, and the terms look good, then of course we'll uh, look at making those numbers real. Back 20 months ago when he raised the six million, what was the pre-money on that round? Um, actually, I'm not sure that I can disclose that without, uh, without going too much into details that uh, um, might, might, uh, might affect, uh, uh, might not be prudent to share. What, um, what was a range? Keep it as vague as you want. Um, sure. So uh, we raised in the um, you know the tens of millions of dollars uh, valuation. Okay. And is it fair to say that uh, you know moving forward, as you look, obviously when you raise capital, you have to give up equity unless it's venture debt. I mean, are you really at this point aiming for for valuation that is in the instead of in the tens, more maybe in the hundreds of millions instead? 
Well, that's a great question. You know, for us, I think the valuation... Actually, that's um, a bad question because I don't yeah. want it to be focused on valuation. Let me ask something different. Yeah, when that's you what look, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. When you look at the market for kind of SaaS businesses and the multiples that you're seeing people get, or does it worry you or do you get excited about it? Well, you know, I, I think that folks who are focusing on multiples at this stage of their business um, are really thinking about their businesses the wrong way. Really, the, the right questions to ask are if you're bringing in partners who are going to add enough value to justify going forward uh, with your business um, and people who are going to be able to, to really drive that next level of value for you. Um, a good partner pays for themselves almost to respect the value, you know, not, not within, um, not without some, some thinking, but um, I think that folks who are optimizing on valuation um, at this stage in the game are thinking about things in the wrong way. You know, Series A and Series B um, are still relatively early in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. um, if com companies, if founders thinking about taking their companies public, um, they should be thinking about the longer game. Yep. I'm seeing uh, off the record, I won't name names and on, but I'm seeing a trend where people have taken advantage, you know, VCs love to throw out the big valuation because it makes, you know, the first and second time entrepreneurs eyes light up when they can tell everyone what great valuation they raised at. But then the problem comes when they get a, an exit offer or something that is way less than the valuation. That would be a meaningful exit for the entrepreneurs. They can't take it because of that round. Um, I mean, to those kinds of entrepreneurs that might be raising capital right now, what advice would you give? Gosh, I think the thing to think about there. Is and are not... you seeing that, by the way? Are you seeing that also from your network? Well, you know, I've, I've heard stories like everyone else has about uh, folks who have um, taken too high valuation and then um, paid the price downstream and been forced to do a down round. Um, I think that the, the companies that um, I would advise, I would tell them to worry a little less about um, the total valuation as a, as a scorecard, uh, because it's not a scorecard. Um, worry more about fundamentals. Think about what that partner is bringing to the table and then decide if that person is going to help you get to your own numbers um, wherever you want their business to be. Awesome. Well, Anand uh, and Top Tribe will link to everything Anand has discussed so far in the show notes at NathanLadka.com forward slash the top 265. So if you're listening on Stitcher or SoundCloud or anywhere but iTunes, you can get all 265 episodes from the world's top entrepreneurs by just opening up your iTunes app and searching Nathan Latka, the top. And Anand, if people want to follow your journey as you continue building Lead Genius, where can they connect with you personally online? The best places to reach me are on Twitter. I'm at Polybot. You can also follow the Lead Genius blog, which has tons of great content at salesiq.com. Top tribe, there you have it. Anand, we're about to wrap up with my favorite part of the show. No pressure, but you know what's next? I don't. Dude, it's time for the famous five. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, it's uh, Andy Grove's book, um, Only the Paranoid Survive. Yeah, and he am I? He he just passed, didn't he? he just passed away. Yeah, yes. yeah, big, big, big loss. Um, number two, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now? Gosh, um, Elon Musk is one to watch. Um, he's a bit of a larger than life character, but he's got some good lessons in how he manage the post PayPal life. Do you think it's fair to watch from him from an entrepreneur perspective when personally, I mean, his, I think second wife just filed for divorce. I mean, who knows, but do, do you still learn from him from a business level, even though it seems like he might be too far all in on business? I think there are lessons to take away from that as well. How do you separate and kind of know what to pull out? You know, there's a point that everyone has uh, where they feel like they're contributing too much to one part of their life or another. Uh -huh. um, for somebody like Elon Musk, that part's going to be uh, much further than it is for most people. I don't think it's bad to choose family or personal life over business success. And I think probably the most admirable people um, in business are the ones who manage to pull off both for mm -hmm. as long as possible. 
Yeah. Okay. Number uh, number three is there a favorite online tool you have and on like maybe FreshBooks? Gosh, not counting Lead Genius. Yeah, no, but they can't have Lead Genius. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, the by far the number one productivity app I use, like most people use, is probably um, Gmail itself. Yeah. Um, you can be extraordinarily efficient, and as an entrepreneur and as a um, a founder, being quick and effective using keyboard shortcuts and blasting through a lot of communication is one of the best ways to manage a large organization. Yep. Okay. Next question, Anand. Give me real quick your situation. Are you married? Single? Do you have kids? Um, I am single, but uh, I have a, a steady girlfriend for the last ah. few years who has supported me greatly in this uh, journey. Great. And how old are you? I'm 31. Okay, great. So here's my question. Um, yeah, again, you're in a relationship. You're 31 years old. Yes or no? Are you getting eight hours of sleep every night? Believe it or not, the answer is yes, most awesome. nights. Um, there are some nights where I end up um, feeling very inspired and go ahead and pound through a lot of work. But most of the time, I manage to get a, an eight-hour night. The secret is just going to bed early enough uh, that you can be in the office at 8 a.m. There you go. And last question, Anand, take us back 11 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? <laughs> I wish I had known how much fun it is to start a company because I would have done it a lot sooner. Yep. Top Tribe, there you have it. Start Sooner from Anand. Launched Lead Genius in 2011 after leaving Berkeley. Now 2016, he's raised over $8 million as doing over 700 or about 700 grand per month in revenue as of February 2016 with big plans along the way. Anand, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan. 